The covenant of Abraham holds immense significance to our faith. It represents God's promise to bless all nations through Abraham's descendants, ultimately fulfilled in Yeshua. It establishes a foundation for salvation, highlighting faith as the main element. It underscores God's faithfulness and serves as a reminder of His redemptive plan for all humanity. The following is part five of six parts in this teaching series. Well, welcome back. So, again, we're still talking about the covenant that God gave to Abraham, and we're talking about faith, and we're talking about Torah, and we're talking about Yeshua, and how all these things, I mean, are these all different things? Are they all different, or do they all work together? Are they all really working towards the same thing, working towards the same goal? Are all these things completely different aspects of life for different people, or is this all every different thing for us as a believer? Now, that's something to talk about. I mean, because you often hear uh, John 1.17, so, well, so <clears throat> uh, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Yeshua, you know, came through Jesus. So, see, grace opposes the law. And, and is this true? Does it really work that way? There's no grace at all in the Torah. There's no grace in all these things that were given. Well, here's something we need to look at. First off, that the uh, Torah pointed to and spoke of Yeshua. What did John have to say about this? If Torah speaks of and points to Yeshua, why would he say that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus? Well, here's the thing. One little thing. That word, but, was inserted by translators. It was never in the original texts. And that kind of changes things. So what we have is that the law was given through Moshe, but, and, and the grace and truth came to be realized in Yeshua. See, all the things that were given prior are now revealed. The things that we could not understand before, we now have access to. Grace and truth is loving kindness and truth. How was a covenant cut? How was a covenant made? Was not cutting the covenant an extension of grace and truth? Was not a, uh, God cutting a covenant with Abraham? Was not that loving kindness? When Yeshua taught, how did he teach? Did he contradict any of these things? No, he didn't. Because remember, even when the, the rich young ruler came and he says, what must I do to have life? What was he told? Oh, just have faith. You'll be okay. It's not what was told, was it? He was told, we'll keep the commandments. We're talking about having life, Right? We'll keep the commandments. Okay, which ones? Hmm. And then he starts quoting. What does he start quoting? Well, first off, honor your mother and father. He starts going through the commandments. And the, and the rich young ruler says, but I've done these things. What else must I do? Something's lacking. Something else. What's, what's happening in my life? And Yeshua says, go and sell everything you've got. Give to the poor and come and follow me. And so many have used this scripture to say, see, you can't have money and be a believer. You can't do these things because you have to sell everything you got, give to the poor, and then so you can follow, you know, Yeshua. But is that really what he's being said? Remember, are you forgetting the part where it says this was a rich, young ruler? This man walked away grieved. Why? Because uh, he spoke to his idols. He spoke to his idolatry. He spoke to the thing in his life that he put before the Lord. What did he put before him? His riches, his wealth, all of these things. What was Yeshua doing with this man? Calling him to repentance. 
calling him to, to return and come back to those things that uh, he forgot about, that he left behind. It's time to repent. It's time to get rid of those things that we hold before the Lord. He called him to return and to keep the word of God, even in dealing with idolatry. See, when Yeshua taught, he taught the same word that all the prophets, all, all, they all taught the same thing. And that's what we don't understand. Because to us it seems foreign. You know, Yeshua came to call men to repentance. And yes, he did. But so did all the prophets. This was not a new thing. Now, what does that mean? Yeshua called people to obedience in the word. Okay. But we're told we only live a life of faith. So my question is, does faith and obedience contradict? No. No, it doesn't. Faith and obedience do not contradict. If we have faith, we'll be obedient. Why? Because I don't have to understand the why to be obedient. See, that's what we often think. When, when we see something in the Word and this is what God wants us to do, then we say why. And the question is, why do we say why? We say why because if we understand it, we can reason our obedience away. We can make up a reason, make up an excuse to be disobedient. Well, this was for the people back then because of all these other things and issues and circumstances. I didn't realize that the Word of God was based on circumstances. I thought the Word of God was eternal. We need to work on that premise. We need to work out of that way. And again, why? Torah is eternal. And when it was given, who, who was it given to? Oh, just the Jews? Okay, so it was given to just one tribe out of a nation of people? That doesn't make sense. It was given to a people who were called the people of God. All tribes. Israel. And all those who would join themselves to them. All those who were naturally born. We read throughout the scripture where it says, all those who are naturally born and all those who are joined with you. All those who are in your household. When the Torah was given, it was given to a people who were already brought out of bondage, already brought out of slavery, to a people who were already delivered, to a people who were already redeemed, to a people who were already belonging to God. See, and when you understand that the Torah was given because God just loves us and he doesn't want us to fall back into bondage and slavery and sin and all those things that uh, is just not good for us. And he wants, to, he wants us to walk a life of blessing. See, the Torah was never given to show us how to become a child of God. The Torah was written at Mount Sinai to give to us because we are a child of God. See, the people already belonged to him. He was not giving them a, a, a rules and lists of do's and don'ts to show how to be his. They were already his. So it doesn't make sense, does it? Instruction was given so we would know how to walk in his ways, to walk in his life, to walk in the things that he says is blessing, and to avoid sin and to avoid the pitfalls that come from that. 1 John 5 says, We know that we love the children of God. Why? 
because we love God. And that's enough. But there's more. It says, because we love God and keep His commandments. It says, for this is the love of God. What? That we keep His commandments. And furthermore, His commandments are not burdensome. We need to learn that the Word of God that was given to us is life. And that's no different than the faith that Abraham walked in. God told Abraham where to go, how to go, when to go, what to look for. And Abraham did it. It's the same thing the Word of God has given to us for faith. 1 John 5 verse 4 in that same uh, scripture that we were talking about just a second ago says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? Our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. So what we need to understand is we do not keep the Torah in order to be born again. We do not keep the Torah so that we can be a partaker of the covenants and the promises that God gave to Abraham. No. We keep the Torah because we are born again. We keep the Torah because we've been redeemed. We keep the Torah because of the covenants and the promises and the blessings. Why? Because that's how the Father said He desires for us to walk. That's how He said is a better way. I mean, Ephesians 2 tells us, You used to be foreigners. You used to be far off. You used to be strangers to the things of God. You didn't know anything about God. But you who were far off have now been brought near. Brought near to what? God, yes! How? By covenant. You have now been brought near to the covenant. And you are now partakers of the promises and all the things that God has given to Israel through Abraham. It says, so you've been brought near and you are now to walk in those things that God established before. What did God establish before for us to walk in? His word, his life. We are established to do these things in order to walk in those good things that He has given us. Titus 2.14 says that He gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. We need to understand that loving God is not a work. We need to understand that loving God is faith. But the Scripture says that loving God means Listen to him. Do what he says. We should be zealous for the word of God. And we should be zealous to walk in the things that he foreordained, that he ordained prior for us to walk in. Ephesians 5.8 says, You used to be in darkness. Now walk in the light. And if you're in the light, you need to walk like the light. 2 Timothy 3 tells us that all of the word of God is good. It is given for instruction to teach us of the blessings and the promises and all these things so that we can be perfected, so to speak, so that we can walk in, in the Scripture. All Scripture is good. So if all Scripture is good, why do we fight it so hard? Why do we fight it so much when we're told uh, that, that, that the Torah is still relevant? that the Word of God from the, from the book of Genesis through the book of Revelation is relevant for our life? 
Why do we say it's a history book up until, the, up until you know, Matthew? Um, wasn't that still 2,000 years ago? Wasn't that still history? See, our mindset needs to change. Look at Romans 10. Romans 10, 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. But Moses describes righteousness which is of the law, that the man who does these things shall live in them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, Say not in your heart who shall ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend in the deep, that is to bring him up. But what says the word is nigh you in your mouth and your heart, and the, is, is that's the word that we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that's Yeshua, you, you shall believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you shall be what? saved. But look at this. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, what do we learn in this? If we're supposed to walk in faith and just call upon him and, and, and to do that, then why about this whole Torah thing? Because remember, the Torah was given to the children of Abraham, not as the covenant, so to speak, but to show them how to walk in the covenant that God had already established them. Remember back to Galatians 3, uh, verse 19 says, So why the law then? It was added because of transgression. In other words... The Torah was added so that sin could be identified as sin. Romans 7, if you go through, just read the whole chapter of Romans 7, you'll see that the law is good, it is holy, it is just, it is pure, all of these things, it is righteous. And it was given to who? Jew and Gentile. Back to Galatians 3, what does that tell us again? That, uh, well... Let's read it. Galatians 3.21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness would have been by the law. Remember, we agree with that. The covenant was given before the Torah was given. Verse 22. But the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise of faith by Yeshua your Messiah might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up into faith, which afterwards should be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after the faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So there is neither Jew or Greek. There is neither bond or free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in who? Yeshua, your Messiah. And then look at verse 29. And if you be Christ, if you belong to the Messiah, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now remember what this is saying is that the schoolmaster is to teach you how to walk in the things that, that have been given to you. It is to teach you how to walk. It is to teach you good things for life, to teach you how to be established in things. But once you reach a certain level, does that mean you forget every single thing that you've learned before? No. Remember, once you get a diploma, you forget everything, or do you take what you've been given and, and have been equipped with and walk in that for further advancement of life? And that's what we're talking about. It's further advancement of life and further advancement of blessings and promises. Galatians 5 says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but, uh, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I preach 
circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, you have been called into liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed you be not consumed by one another. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what are we talking about between circumcision and those with the circumcision and the uncircumcision, all these things? Well, we need to learn to walk in the Word. It says, walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Word of God and let His Spirit lead you and guide you. But is that all we're talking about here? No, because we understand the term circumcision was used for the, for the word conversion. So the whole idea of the day was this. In order to serve the Lord our God, we had to convert to Judaism. Now, the thing is, what about the Gentiles? What about those who are not a Jew? And that's where the problem comes in. They say we need to convert to Judaism if we want to serve God. Well, what if we don't have time for that? We have to wait and to study. I mean, you know, what if we're like 30 years old? We have to study for another 30 years before we can decide to serve God? Or can we serve Him right now and then start to learn to walk in His ways? We do not have to convert to a religious system to serve God. The big problem and the big argument of the day of Paul and all, these, and all the disciples and the apostles was this. What are we going to do with these Gentiles? They don't know anything about God. And they're coming into the assemblies, they're coming into the congregations, and they're coming into, and they're just messing everything up because they don't know anything. Guys, we still don't know anything. We need to learn to, to see what, what we've been given. I mean, that was the whole premise in Acts 15. Acts 15 says there was, there was men who stood up and they were saying, well, okay, look, guys, these Gentiles are really causing a ruckus, are really causing a lot of problem, so we need to get them to understand. They have to be circumcised before they can serve, before they can serve God, you know? And the idea, remember, to circumcise meant convert. You know, they, ha they have to be a Jew to serve God. And does the Scripture say that? What about the other tribes? They can't serve God? What about those in the household? What about Abraham's household? I mean, furthermore, Abraham wasn't a Jew. Wow. It's things to think about, right? So what did the disciples think about this? Now, the disciples are ones who spent time with Yeshua, right? I mean, if, if they were to say what he would think about it, I mean, we would think they would know. What did they have to say about it? Hmm. Now, to make things further, there was another group who stood up and said, okay, you know what, yeah, let's circumcise them. In other words, they have to be trained to be a Jew. Then they have to keep the Torah. Now, both of these things were addressed in the Scripture, just we don't always hear about it. Why? Well, that's one of those things that's kind of glanced over, you know, because the, the verdict on the whole thing is this. They said, as far as the circumcision goes, let's not put the stumbling blocks before them and to do these things. Let's not cause them to have to be a Jew to serve God. They can serve God where they're at, but let's kind of give them some guidelines. Let's give them some boundaries, and let's give them some, you know, I don't want to say rules, but let's just give them a good place to start because they don't know anything, right? And who's the one who makes this call? James. James. You know, if you want to say the half-brother of Yeshua, you can. You know, he spent his life with him. He knew him. And what did he have to say about it? Well, look at, look at this. James says, to abstain from things polluted by idols, don't pollute yourself with ways of the world. To abstain from fornication, from sexual immorality. 
to abstain from what is from strangled and from blood. In other words, these are aspects of kosher. Then he says, go to the synagogue on Shabbat for what purpose? To hear the Torah. Now, most often we'll say, well, these are four things. Well, no, this is not four. These are five. Because he gives them a couple basic guidelines to follow, you know, from fornication, from things strangled, from blood, from sexual immorality. I mean, he, he gives them some basic guidelines. He said, this is your starting place. And further, who was this starting place to? To the Gentiles who were coming to faith, who didn't know anything about Torah, didn't know anything about covenants, didn't know anything about the promises. All they knew was, wow, there's a better way. Your God is God. How do I serve him? And so what they were told to the Gentiles was these four things, then the fifth. The fifth, go to the synagogues on Shabbat to hear the Torah taught. And this is a thing that's often left out. First off, go to the synagogue. That means you have to gather with the people of God. So many people want to distance themselves from the people of God. You cannot honestly fulfill the word of God being an island to yourself. You have to be around other people, other people of God. If for no other reason to give you the opportunity to forgive, right? You have to learn how to walk with one another to be a part of a body. And so you have that. So go to the synagogues on what day? On Shabbat, honor the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a day for you to sleep in and that's it. The Sabbath was a day that was given to the Lord your God. That's a day, yes, you rest, but you gather. It's a, it's a holy convocation. It's a time to gather with the people. And what was the purpose? To hear the Torah taught. Are we hearing the Torah taught in our assemblies today? Or are we hearing political things? Are we hearing the Torah taught or are we hearing things that are not Torah? If we're gathering on the, in the synagogues on Shabbat, we need to hear the Torah you know, we have to look at this. When God gave the covenant to Abraham, who was it for? It was for Abraham and his descendants and all those that would come after him. But then he also says, for your household. What does that mean to be in the household of Abraham? It means those who were not born in that house, but they could be sharers and partakers of that. Hmm. That sounds interesting. And again, how does all that work together with faith and Yeshua and Torah? I hope you're starting to see that they all do work together. I hope that you're starting to see that the covenant that was given to you as a believer, notice they didn't just say, you know, in Acts 15, the disciples did not just say, let's gather and let's tell great, wonderful stories about what Yeshua did when he walked among us. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. That's good. We should do that. We need to study how he lived his life here. But what did the disciples say when you gather, you need to study? Torah. So that you can understand the promises you've been given. So that you can understand the covenant that has been given to you. So that you can understand the desires of the Father. What is his heart for you? You've been told that, the, that, that you as a believer and not a Jew have a completely different covenant than the Jews. You know, to say that, you would have to say that you serve a completely different God. Wow. 
What God do you serve? Do you serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Then you need to learn about his covenant. Whoa, but, but Jesus came to give me a new covenant. I agree. He did come to give you a new covenant. And we'll look at that when we come back.